to another episode of the Joy for Ministry podcast. This is episode two of season three, and this is just a really fun episode. So I just need to set it up a little bit, give you a little backstory. So a couple months back, I helped co-host an event called Married to the Minister. It was such a great event, and I co-hosted it with my friend Karen Stiller. Now, Karen, you may remember from several episodes back where I did a podcast interview with her about her book called The Minister's Wife. It was a great conversation that Karen and I had. She wrote this memoir about her life married to her husband and in ministry. So fast forward, Karen and I led this event called Married to the Minister, and it was for spouses of um, people in ministry. So it was such a great time. We had about a hundred people there. I say people because there were some men there. Um, And we talked about real struggles of being a spouse of a minister. We had licensed clinical social worker, a trauma care coordinator, and a family therapist. And we talked about everything from caring caring for ourselves and um, real struggles that we face being married to the minister. And it was such a great event. If you want more information on this event, let me know. I would be glad to get that for you. And we are actually going to be hopefully doing another one in the fall. So we had this event. We talked about these real issues um, and it was awesome. And one of the prizes, because we gave out amazing prizes, one of the prizes was that you would be able to come on this podcast with Karen and I, and we would have a real conversation. So we had our winner as a guest, and our winner was Cheryl Streeter. So today you are going to be hearing my conversation and Karen's conversation with Cheryl. And I really think that you're going to enjoy it. So stay tuned for that. And I will talk to you at the end where I'll just give you some information about the rest of the season. See you soon. Hey, guys. Hey, Joy. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Joy. How's Karen? How are you? We're good. It's I'm so excited that we're here and we're going to give everybody who's listening just a um, brief introduction of what this episode is about. I'm super excited. I'm here with Karen Stiller, who I have done podcast a podcast with before, and we recently did Married to the Minister event, which I'm going to have some information to that in the show notes. So I would love for everybody to check that out. And I am here with Cheryl. Hello. Hi there. How are you, Joy? Good. How are you? Great. Great. It's always tricky when you have three people on because we sort of like talk over each other. We don't know who's (laughs) going to say what, but you know what? We're just going to go with it. We're going to interrupt and talk over each other and it's going to be amazing. Great. Just like girlfriends talking to each other at home. (laughs) Yes, Yes. exactly. So Karen and I did this event, Married to the Minister, which was so much fun. And one of the prizes, we gave out some really great prizes. One of the prizes was for one of the guests to be 
on the an episode of the Joy for Ministry podcast. So, Cheryl, you won that prize. Lucky me, <laughs> which we were so well, excited about. Yeah, I, as soon as and let me just oh I don't know maybe I shouldn't admit this but this is a little background um, or behind the scenes information that basically our tech guy sent us uh, or texted me a list of the names that he had randomly selected like he had some software or whatever it is however people randomly select names he randomly selected and we had told people that their names would be put in the straw through their participation in the chat and the chat was like on fire right constant lots of interaction um so who knew who whose names would be drawn but then when i saw cheryl's name come up as one of the seven or eight prize winners i thought she would be perfect for the podcast prize because she has such a ministry and presence within sort of the weird rare world of pastor's wives so um so there was a little bit of like, you know, <laughs> manipulation <laughs> behind the scenes, but the random selection of names was completely random. So there you go. Yes. I love how it worked out. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and all the listeners, a little bit about yourself and your family, your ministry. Okay. Uh, as you said, my name is Cheryl Streeter. I am the wife of Reverend Terry D. Streeter. He's the pastor of the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And we have been married for 22 years now. We have four children and five grandchildren. And it's a very active ministry. My husband also does a lot of revivals and preaching across the country. So we are exposed to ministries, you know, nationwide. And we're a part of the Progressive National Baptist Convention, which exposes us to other pastors and ministers and ministers' wives and female clergy as well. But I'm also a part of what's called the International Association of Ministers' Wives and Ministers' Widows. And that organization has chapters in 39 states and six other countries. And it's Mm -hmm. simply a group of ministers' wives and ministers' widows who get together to fellowship, we do community services in our local areas, We meet for regional conferences and for an annual convention where, uh, for example, this year we were supposed to meet in Houston, Texas, which I was looking forward to because that's my hometown, but the pandemic decided otherwise. And so we are not having our annual convention in person. We're having it virtually as we did last year. So it's been interesting. Uh, I'm a native of Houston, Texas, so I'm a Texan, so I talk a lot. Feel free to cut me off. (laughs) (laughs) So we we do that. But I'm also the youngest of um, nine children by birth, but three died prior to the age of five. Uh, So I'm the youngest of six, of which there are only three of us left now. And Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in the South, so I have that uh, Southern girl personality, I hope. I still have it anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was reared in the church. My father was Baptist. My mother was Methodist. And they went to each other's church. And so we as children went to both churches. So we were in church all day on Sunday. So I had the experience of almost being like a pastor's kid without being a pastor's kid. 
So that's that's pretty much uh, my my growing up. Um, it was during the '60s, so you know everything that was happening in the '60s influenced my life. But um, went to college, uh, got married, had two children, and ended up divorced. And life still went on from there. Mm. But how how much of my life do you want to hear about? <laughs> now this is awesome. I. It's very interesting talking about um, just you talking about, you know, your history of church. And now here you are a minister's wife. So the international, what is the International Association of Minister's Wives? Is that many denominations, many different churches coming together? Or is that specific to your denomination? No, it's interdenominational. So you can be of various denominations. Uh, it's all across the nation, so it's various churches. Any wife who wants to join can join. So we have, you know, thousands of churches represented in our membership, and mm. it's it's very enlightening because you learn about those who are in rural states. For example, uh, I'm in the D.C. area, and when I talk to one of our sisters from Utah, what she says about how they handle church services there is very different from what we do in Washington, D.C. We have, you know, many, many, many churches within a few blocks. But in Utah, they're more spread out. And so it's great to hear from other sisters about what they're going through, uh, ministries that they have at their church, creative ideas that they use that they can share with you that you can use at your church. It's just a great fellowship. It really, really is. You know, what really strikes me about that, and I'd love for you to comment on this, is the fact that you actively and so deliberately include widows. I mean, it's mm -hmm. even part of your title. And that right away makes me think that you are being very sensitive to the fact that being a pastor's wife can uh, encompass so much of your life. And that mm -hmm. if your husband, the, the pastor, passes away, you might lose um some bits of your identity and some community and i'm wondering if that's why you have that deliberate emphasis on widows yes indeed that is definitely it and you're so correct when you think about it <clears throat> most of your life as a pastor's wife or minister's wife is tied to him and his profession and to the church and especially if you were a pastor's wife and then he's no longer the pastor Sometimes you even leave that church because the new pastor and his wife coming in may need the space and the ability to create their own presence there without having the history of the church there represented by you, the widow. And if you have to leave your church, just think you're leaving most of your friends and you have to find new friends at another church. By being part of an association like this, you're able to go to another church because you have a sister that's already there and it makes it easier for you. It doesn't make it easier that you no longer have your husband, but you know that you have your sister there who understands what you're going through. Yeah. That's really amazing because really church, when you are a, you know, pastor and pastor's wife, that's so much of your community. And so I think that's so amazing that you, you think on that level and you go to that place that maybe you don't know you even need until you're walking through it. Yeah. Yes. You know, it was just until you experience that loss, you don't realize that. So I think that's really amazing 
that is devastating enough, but to lose your community, mm-hmm. have to leave your place where you're at home. That's yes. That's unbelievable. Yes. So that's amazing. And then on the other side of that, I imagine, I think, yeah, I, when I imagine coming to a new church, say as the pastor and spouse, and then having the widow of the previous pastor in the congregation, I think that could be strange. I think that could cause weird vibes, maybe in some congregations, it doesn't have to be, I think it can work, actually. But I think it would be not everyone could do that. And so everyone could do that. Yeah, like it can it can be intimidating, especially if they had been there a long time, well respected, Mm. have if it's a traditional church where they've always done something a particular way. And the new pastor may have a new vision for the church. You know, will he be able to implement that new vision readily if yeah. they are still tied to what was? Yeah. So how do people find information about this group? How do people get involved? Is there information I can put in the show notes? Yes. In fact, we have a website that has a great deal of information about what we do, where we're located, all of the local, state, regional offices and things. And it's IAMWMW.org. And that those initials are International Association, Ministers Wives, Ministers Widows.org. And if you go to that website, it's a great deal of information there. In fact, uh, we will, the end of this month, have our virtual annual session and you'll be able to link in and see some of the information uh, and some of the things that we do there. But yes, go to the website, you can find out all about it. Great group of women, absolutely Mm. marvelous group of women. Especially if you're a new pastor's wife, you can come in and you have sisters who tell you, it's gonna be okay, don't worry, you can do this. (laughs) That's great to hear, that we need to hear. Yeah, for sure. I've been um, joining f- Facebook groups for pastors' wives, and it's so interesting to me, uh, which I have to say I didn't even know, I think, it existed before. But the questions and the discussion points that get posted, a lot of them are rooted in needing reassurance. Like, yes. and no, and some of the situations that get posted can sound really like crazy sometimes. And then boom, someone comments, oh, that happened to us, you know, five years ago and here's what we did or something. So Mm. just to be able to talk like that is so important. Not feeling alone is like 80% of the solution to everything. When you feel alone, (laughs) it's, you know, it's so overwhelming especially when you're alone and feel like you're on display as well, because your life is such an open book there in the congregation. Not only is your husband talking about you from the pulpit in his sermons, but much of your life is is just an open book to them. Mm. I outlawed that. (laughs) (laughs) That sharing of talking about me in the sermon part. And the morning it happened, Brent preached and he said something like the best uh, part of my life or the best moment of my life and watching Karen give birth or something. Like that. <laughs> I was like, that's not allowed. That is absolutely not allowed. Don't ever mention me again. So <laughs> they need oh. to learn when it, or what's okay to share. Yeah. Well, so when your kids are sitting learned. there. Yeah. 
the kids they hate being mentioned yes. in this in the sermons it's pretty funny yeah for so sure. you have served in many areas of ministry and you have served in ministry being a pastor's wife and you have served like you just talked about how you'll do different outreaches outside of your church um so what's the difference between serving as a pastor's wife and serving outside of that role do you notice um differences and and can you like lean into that a little bit actually there is a difference and I don't know about other ministers wives but when I married my my husband he was already a pastor and I was working in the government and I had a job that required that I travel a great deal and so I was gone almost like Monday through Friday but home on the weekends for church and to work in ministry on Saturday and it felt comfortable because I was still doing what I always did. I was working and I had two kids in college at the time. So the working helped out with paying for the college bills. But then I stopped working and I, it was a matter of, do I just do all church work? Or what about Cheryl? What about the interests that Cheryl has, things that I like to do? And I know sometimes you think that the pastor's wife should be over women's ministry. She should lead the choir. She should know how to play the piano and all of the other things that sometimes people put on us. But that wasn't me. And God had not shared with me that he wanted me to do those things. In fact, uh, I sing in the choir, but in the very back, very low, uh, I don't play the piano. And women's ministry, I love working in it, but I don't want to be over it, nor does the Lord want me to be over it. So I wanted to still do something that was at the core of things that Cheryl likes. I grew up in a poor community and our schools were not the best. And so students who had learning disabilities were just kind of lumped together and really not given the resources that they need. And seniors, some of the resources that they need weren't there. So as a community, we just kind of all banded together and took care of the widows, widows and the senior citizens. And since I've always done that, and my parents have always had us doing that since we were children, I wanted to continue to do that. So in addition to working with the International Association of Ministers Wives, I work a great deal with AARP, which is for retired persons. And I do a lot of community service at the schools in our community. And I get such a fulfillment from that. And it really reminds me of working with my mom and dad in the community. So it, it links me back to home. When I moved up north here to D.C., I had no family here, so it was just me. So I still wanted something to link me to home, to my core values. And in the church, there's this expectation of what the pastor's wife should do. And whether it's something that God has told you to do or that you have at the heart to do, sometimes the congregation still expects you to do it. And you do it, but you still want to do those things that spark joy for you that give you some satisfaction. Uh, and so those community outreach things, working in the school, working with AARP, all of those things I cherish and they really enrich me, fill me and uh, give me a good balance between being in my husband's shadow at the church, doing what everyone thinks I should be doing and doing those things that I know I'm making a contribution somewhere. Hmm. You know what I think is so beautiful about that too is that you are being 
you know, you're bringing Christ's light into the community in different places, which is also what we're invited to do, right? And empowered yes. to do. Uh, definitely, definitely. Because the church is not within the four walls. It's once we step out of those four walls. And we, mm. that's when we meet the people and meet their needs and share with them not only the word of God, but help with their needs so that they can listen to the word of God. If a person is starving, if they don't have a home, if it's a senior who's lonely, they, they need to hear from you and see you actually be God in body, walking the earth and doing things. That's what we're called to do. Mm. Yes. You know, we talked about this and I want to touch more on the event Married to the Minister because it really was such a great event and we are going to be doing another one in the fall, but we somehow it came up about, um, you know, getting involved in a ministry outside of your church and how that can be really helpful to get you out of that bubble and help you have something for yourself that I, I feel like we need. And I love some of the words that you said here, Cheryl was, you know, at your core and the things that you felt passionate about and the Lord has called you to do. And yes, being a minister's wife is a calling, but we have these other things inside of us that we know that the Lord, yes, like, you're a part of women's ministry, but it's not, you're not leading it. It's not what you are called to do, but you are called to go into this. And so I love that you're putting these words to that. It's passion filled and it's yes. not, God has more for you than just in your your church world. So very true. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And the thing about it is that as I interact in the community, I get fresh ideas that I can take back to the church. Mm, that's cool. That's so good. You know, it's funny, Joy, I wrote down that exact phrase on the note that I have beside me, things at the core of who Cheryl is. Mm. So that really jumped out at me too. And I would say, um, to push it a little bit further even that I have found that to be true of our tithes, tithes and offerings as well. So I mm -hmm. work, um, you know, I have my own profession as a writer and an editor. And when I, uh, we tithe first and always to our church, but sometimes if I get some extra job or something, and I think I want to give this to an organization or a person you know, that I see a need in the community. And it actually, yes. uh, it feeds my faith. It mm. waters me like a plant almost because it's like, yeah, it's not all about pouring into this local congregation as wonderful and beloved and important as it is. It's also about being in the world. And I think mm. when you're in the ministry life, you can get caught up into only focusing on that local body. And so I love what you're saying. I think it's healthy. It's healthier to look outside of that for us as pastor's wives. It's healthier to not have such, because then everything, everything becomes bigger sometimes than it should be. It's mm -hmm. good when we have, you know, when we're looking outside of that, it's healthier. And I think, unfortunately, we don't learn that until a few years or several years yes. in. <laughs> so <laughs> true. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, in the last place we lived, I intentionally started to volunteer elsewhere. Like I was a therapy dog team with my dog and I delivered meals on wheels. And I did that intentionally to not have everything I was doing as a volunteer 
be about the local church because I even felt like my motivations were a little mm. muddled sometimes that I was like I want you to succeed in this ministry so I'm going to be behind you making everything happen it's like well is That's that very true <laughs> <laughs> been there done that and yeah and I think I even said that at the event I said some at one point I was like am I doing this to feed the children or am I doing this to help my husband? Like I'm starting to get confused right now because <laughs> you do it's, there's nothing wrong with obviously wanting an event to succeed and wanting your husband to, but, um, but yeah, I think it really is so healthy to be, to have something outside of the church, your, your church. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it sets an example for your congregation that they also need to do things in the community and at the schools. If we simply sit in the church and do things just for your membership, sometimes you don't even grow your membership because you're not out in the community spreading the word and seeing where the need is and who needs to hear the word. And when you do that, you're helping your congregation to reach out into the community. You're helping the community to come into the church to hear the word. And it's just a good thing all around. Mm. So Cheryl, you mentioned that you grew up in church um, and then later on you became a pastor's wife. What were some of those early challenges that you faced? Did you feel prepared for them being you grew up in church um, or were you, did you feel like you kind of went into it not knowing what to expect? I went into it thinking I knew what to expect. And boy, was I enlightened quickly. <laughs> Sounds like there's a good story. <laughs> uh, even pastors preparing for sermons and preparing for Bible study to see the intense work that goes into that, the amount of time that goes into it, and the number of telephone calls that come to the house and the hours of the day and night that the calls come to the house. Um, you think you know until it starts happening. Or until a crisis occurs and you realize that every day may have a crisis because of your congregation. Our congregation is just under 2,000, well, I guess closer to 1,500 now. So if you can imagine that many people who are calling on their pastor, and we have associate ministers and different ministry leaders, but many people want to talk to their pastor when they're going through something. And so that was a challenge for me, realizing that his time really was not his own. And simply because I wanted us to have a family outing or a holiday, I was working for the government. So I looked forward to long weekends and all of the holidays. Well, pastors don't get holidays. They, they don't. Or weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and even their vacations can, you know, be interrupted at times also. So I think the first challenge was the amount of time that was required of the family, of the pastor's family. And then another challenge was I was working and I enjoyed working, but there were so many things that my husband was uh, doing. He would go out of town for preaching engagements or to teach at different things. And he was a newly married pastor, but his wife was never with him. And so everyone was always asking him, well, where's your wife? Where's your wife? And although he never complained about it, I would hear about it from, you know, a few church members who say, you know, you need to go with pastor more often. Um, and so I had to rethink 
career woman versus pastor's wife. It's possible to do both, but the career I was in and the amount of time I was on travel in a way was more than what was best for our ministry. Mm. And so that was a challenge as well. And then my family, my parents were elderly and they were in Texas. I was in DC. Whereas before being married, I could just, you know, if they wanted to see me, I just get a plane ticket and go home. Well, now I'm married. You can't just up and go whenever you feel like it. you have to consult with the pastor. <laughs> so there were some challenges to get used to and children in college, uh, just a host of things. And then uh, about 10 years ago, my husband and I were asked by a family member if we would take in who's technically our great nephew. And we've been raising him for the last 10 years. So if you can imagine your children are in college, you're getting ready for an empty nest and you bring in a baby. An yeah. actual baby, wow. I, a baby. I was, a, I was picturing a 15 year old. No, <laughs> one month old. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know I can't imagine that. We got the call on a Saturday morning. They brought him to us that Saturday night. We introduced him to the church that Sunday and he's been with us since then. Oh my goodness. Wow. So did you make that choice of career and pastor's wife? Retired. I retired. went ahead and retired. But I, I did continue to work for a few years initially because I had this plan set where I would help. I would pay for my children's college because I didn't want them to come out of college with big loans. Um, I wanted no excuse. You must succeed. <laughs> and so... Um, I did that and then I retired and started working at the church and doing volunteer work only. So hmm. it was, uh, and we, we talked about it. We talked about it before we married and he was fine with me continuing to work. It was just that when I got into the ministry of being a pastor's wife and seeing what all he did and how many places he went and how frequently there were banquets and different things where the wife is expected to be there and I wasn't there, I knew that change was needed. So Joy, you and I are on the exact same wavelength again, because I that's I I would have wanted to follow up too, and and I I'm still going to and say, was it hard though to make that choice? I mean, it is a, that's a big thing to do in today's climate, in today's culture. It was because I was actually working in a group where there weren't many of my ethnicity. Okay. And I was being promoted regularly. I had a job that I really enjoyed. It had real authority and responsibility behind it. Um, in one case, I was a regional manager and there were nine states involved. So I had employees in nine states and I felt really accomplished in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I prayed about it and I didn't cry when I did it, but it, it did have a little empty feel to it. So I knew I needed to continue to do something to fulfill me once that was taken away because that was a big part of my life. I worked all of my life, mm. all of my life. Yeah, that's a hard decision. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm curious how you, uh, I, and I think you've already touched on it a little bit because you talked about your volunteer work, your, you know, because there is like a freedom that can come too when we do um, 
work less or work differently or whatever to serve and volunteer and be present in the community, which you've already alluded to. Was that what um, sort of filled that hole or whatever, if there was a hole left behind? Yes, yes, yeah. definitely, definitely. I uh, had been volunteering some even while working, but I went really gung-ho <laughs> once the job left because there was a greater need and I had a need to feel wanted and needed and mm -hmm. contribute in areas that I felt, you know, really good about. The, um, I don't know about you all, but my church is a well-run church is what I call it. And if I did not work there, everything would still go on and, and be done. Someone would do it. But the niches that I found in the community, working with some seniors who are lonely or don't have uh, meals or need repairs to their house, uh, youth who don't have mentors, someone to keep them on the straight path and to encourage them, to help them pay for school supplies and pay admission fees to things that they think they can't go to because their parents don't have the money. Well, when you show up and you just give them the money and say, hey, you can do it too. Don't, don't worry about it. When you need something, here, I'm here for you. That makes a big difference for me. Mm. So that hole was, was filled. I, yeah. Um, I try not to do a pat yourself on the back thing because I'm simply doing what people did for me when I was growing up. There mm. was always someone in our community helping the young kids and looking out for the seniors. Um, my father used to cut the grass for the seniors who you know, couldn't cut their own grass and he would take us with them to help them clean. My mom would cook meals and have us deliver it to people who didn't have enough mm. food. Uh, we raised um, our own meat, vegetable gardens. We have fruit trees off the kazoo. And so there was always someone who had something and we just simply shared and that's always been a part of my life. And so that connection, it really connected me back to home. So I really mm -hmm. felt good about it. So pretty soon I didn't miss the job because I was feeling good about doing what mom had taught me. Mm. Yeah, you gave something up in obedience and, you know, you stepped out and the Lord fulfilled that, you know, he had, yes. it wasn't like you gave something up and then you had nothing you know, he's going to, when you're obedient, he's going to give you that thing that he has called you to do. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really great. And even with giving up the income, because I remember a lot of friends saying, you're going to do what? <laughs> you realize how much money you're not going to be making? Never missed it. Never wow. missed it. God provides. When he says he will provide, you can Amazing. stand on that promise. He wow. will provide. So you mentioned early on that this is your second marriage. Mm -hmm. Have there been challenges with that being on your second marriage and being a pastor's wife? And how have you navigated that? I thought it was, but it did not pose a problem at our congregation here in our church. Um, I know sometimes among some of the minister's wives <clears throat> in some conversations, people will want to know because you've married the pastor and you have two children. So, you know, what's your history here? And, you know, I openly share it. <clears throat> In fact, I'm proud of it. Uh, my ex-husband and I are still very good friends. We mm -hmm. talk, you know, every month, a couple of times a month. 
he and my husband are friends. In fact, when my husband goes to his town, my ex takes him out to lunch. Wow. Uh, he's been over to his church. My ex um, actually had a drug problem for a while. And, but he has come out of that. God has delivered him. He's a deacon in his church. He mentors mm -hmm. other men and young boys to avoid that lifestyle. We, uh, people tell us we have one of the best divorces they've ever seen. <laughs> That's neat. That really is because amazing. When you put God first and the family first, what's best for the children, then you don't have some of the problems that I see in some relationship breakups. Mm -hmm. uh, God does not want any of us to divorce or break up, but when it does occur, there are still some things that God expects of us. Mm -hmm. And those things we must honor God in how we handle those things. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing when you were speaking, Cheryl, that I, I was thinking about the size of your husband's church. So it's a, like in Canada, that would be a very, very large church, 2,000 people. Uh, I'm in Ottawa, also our nation's capital. You're in Washington. And I was thinking about that too. That can have a distinct uh, flavor to it as well, being a church in, in a nation's capital. And you're in a large church. Um, and I just, I guess I'm wondering out loud, is, is it different to be a pastor's wife in a large church than a small church i'm guessing it is because i think small churches when you tend to feel like you do need to be doing everything mm. but the preaching maybe yes <clears throat> and that makes the difference and that's why i probably don't feel some of the pressure that mm. some wives may have felt because there were already ministries in place and people heading those ministries i have some friends who are pastors wives where they have to be over the choir because there's no one else there to do that. They help set up communion. They, uh, you know, help open and close the church when their husband is not there. There's a lot of responsibilities that they've taken on because their congregation is small and they're faithful to that and they do it well. But I know that that's a different, um, I won't use the word burden, but it's a different responsibility than the one that I have. Yeah. Mm. That's really it's, and I'll say this again and again. That's why I love having so many different voices on because there's so many different and, and Karen, you're exactly right. Like my husband and I were just talking about this. Um, we, he actually had me read this article about some of the challenges uh, from big church to small church and how you do certain things differently and looking at it from the perspective of the pastor's wife, you're 100% right. There's going to be different challenges, different expectations, different roles. And, you know, having more voices on means you're reaching a broader audience. Somebody could say, yes, I understand that. Well, I don't understand that, but this is my role and I can see that. And I think, you know, even when you're talking about being on your second marriage, that's why I love this because there might be a woman that's like, I'm not going to be accepted, but no, you know, this happens. And I love talking about these things. It's, you know, even I had Julie Davenport on, she, you know, she was divorced and went through an abusive marriage. And she said something that I felt like was a bit controversial to my audience. And I loved it. And I posted it and I, and I put it on as a big quote. And it was, you know, God loves the woman, the marriage, um, more than the institution of marriage. And I was like, oh, like just these things that we need to talk about so that people aren't condemning or feeling alone or yeah. so I love talking about these things that maybe 
we don't want to talk about, you know? Um, so I think that's really, it's really true. Big church, small church, everybody's just in different spots. Yeah. yeah. Like I've been yeah. in, I've been in a, like a, 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 our church has been so small at one point when we sort of went through a bit of a time where I was teaching Sunday school, like literally in the garage of a parishioner, you know, like four of us. So it was like a church plant, I guess. And then when we moved to Ottawa, where we are now, and it is a larger church, it's not American large, it's Canadian healthy size. Um, I and there was a female priest, my husband, we're Anglican, there was a female priest on, you know, who is working with my husband. And I felt like and the ministries were already established. Like you said, Cheryl, they're already there. Like I didn't have to make something up. I didn't mm. have to create a women's Bible study or a women's retreat weekend or launch the Sunday school or serve on the altar guild or any of those things. I got to just be for about mm. the first year to just kind of see, okay, what can I help with? Where can I serve? And, and do more authentically live out of that at the core of who I am place, mm-hmm. which really is, you know, that's the advice we give, right? Other pastors' mm-hmm. wives. But it's not, we know it's not always possible even to do that, mm-hmm. right? Or it's so true. Feel possible. So true. Yes. So it's so yes. good when you can actually do it. And mm-hmm. even in my case, to also not feel guilty that you're not stepping into where someone thinks you should. Because mm-hmm. at well-established churches, who've been around for a while, and my church just celebrated its 103rd year, there are also those who are very traditional, been there for 50 years, who previous pastors' wives, this is what they did, and their expectation of you is still somewhat different from what God may be putting on your heart to do. Mm, yeah, that's definitely. true. So you've been in ministry, been a pastor's wife for many years now, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what are some things that you would tell yourself when you were just starting out in ministry? The first will be, it's not as hard as you think. Oh, (laughs) after the first couple of months, when I saw what his schedule really looked like and what behind the scenes to what's up front looks like, I went, oh my God, I'll never fit in. This is just too much. Mm. But then I, I had to settle in eventually and realize that I don't have to do everything with him. I don't have to be everywhere he goes, but there are some key places and things that if I listen to him, he can tell me what I need to do and how I need to do it. And after being single for so long, that's another change that I had to tell my my, I would tell my younger self, it's okay to listen to someone else tell you what to do. (laughs) Mm. Um, Yeah, that's, that would be one of it. And just pause, put family first, regardless of how much is going on, make certain you stay connected with the family, even the Mm. kids who are away at college, who live out of state, they need to remain connected to you too. Mm. Once we got Daniel, the, the baby who's now turning 10 next week, I, uh, I had to be cautioned by one of the senior ladies in the church that make sure that your older children don't get jealous of what you're doing for 
the baby, because now you're at home every day taking care of the baby. When you had your older kids, you were working every day. And so you weren't always there. And I, you know, I said, my kids are grown. They don't worry about that. But in conversations and in family gatherings, I noticed it's not the jealousy, but just remembering that mom is here all the time with this one, but mom wasn't always with us. So I make it a special effort to connect with them, to call and see how they're doing, to uh, get on social media with them so that I can see what they're up to and make some comments about their day and tell the church about their accomplishments as well, you know. Uh, and they're, they've been very successful, both of my kids. And actually we have four in all because my husband had a daughter as well. And so making certain that the family comes first and all four children realize that they're still just as important to us, even though they're not in the house with us. That is, that is so good to hear. Because uh, mm. I think you're right. Your kids could be away at college and still feel like you were putting the church first if, yes. if you weren't on top of staying in touch and being available as much as you can when they call and need you. Mm -hmm. mm. Definitely. Because you find that you have to tell them no sometimes, whereas before, if uh, they wanted me to come see them, if I was on a business trip, I could loop by where they were, or if I were on business trip in their area, I may stay an extra day and be with them or something. But if you get consumed by ministry, especially in a church that's a pretty good sized ministry, um, you can find that you don't have as much time. So you have to be intentional in finding time and making certain that they know that you are still available and that you will change your schedule for them. No matter how old they get, they're still your babies. Mm. I love that. Even though my son is a soldier in the military and doesn't care wow. too much when I say, that's my baby. <laughs> They'll but always he be too, the baby. Yeah. But he too is a minister. And so his wife oh. is a minister's wife now. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And they will be starting to plant some churches when he retires from the military. So I told his wife, get ready. I'll be yeah. in my rocking chair to give you some advice. <laughs> nice. So actually, before I know we're, we're coming to a close, but what would you say? I, I wanted to pose this question. What would you say to her? So you're part of this group of minister's wives. You have a daughter-in-law who's a minister's wife and potentially soon going to be in the thick of it. What is something you would say to somebody who is listening? Um, just a, a word of advice or wisdom or encouragement. I would tell them you already have the skills that you need. What you've used to run your household, what you've used to get through college, what you've used to get through your job, all of those skill sets are used in ministry. If you love the people, if you love God, that's the most important thing because you'll always want to do right by the people. Mm. And so you don't have to look for any fancy title, any special credentials. If God has put love in your heart, and if you have love for God and for people, you can do this. You'll be able to do it. I tell my daughter-in-law now, I said, you've relocated with my son several times in the military. Getting the household up and in order when he's deployed overseas, keeping your girls in school, they're straight-A students. I said, if you can do that, you can be a minister's wife. Mm, that's because really good. Every, 
every member out there is going through the same things that we go through as a family. We're just on display. And sometimes mm. they hold theirs back. But sometimes if you're transparent and share some of the difficulties we go through, others will know, hey, even the pastor's family has some problems and they're making it through. They'll know to lean on God. And that, that's how all of us make it through. It's no magic, you know, potion or anything other than God. Mm. That's so good. Thank you so much for saying that. I don't know that I've heard that, that piece of advice yet, but it makes so much sense. Sometimes we think we have to draw on so many other things that, you know, the Lord has already given us, you know, he's, we've already walked through things that he's carried us through. And so that's really encouraging. Definitely. If we talk to some of the members of our congregation and they were really open, you would find that some of them had been through so many things that may have been traumatic for us, and yet they made it through. Mm. God brought them through it and they continue to press on and they will continue to. We, we can make it. We can mm. make it. That's what I tell her. That's you can good. You can do that it. is such good advice and so mm. encouraging to all of us, no matter what stage we're in, right? Starting out, stuck in the middle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> feeling whatever we're feeling. It's so a true. very good reminder. Yes. So yes. you do so much in caring for others and your ministries and pouring out. What are some ways that you get fed, that you care for yourself so that you're not depleted? I've been blessed to have four girlfriends that I've met through various stages of my life. Um, a couple of them in church, uh, one at work and one from the community. And we have become a little sisterhood of our own where we are open and honest with one another. When we need a break, we call the others and say, hey, I need a break. And we may just gather in the backyard at one of our homes and just chat, have some food, once a year, we take a road trip together somewhere. We pick a spot that we can drive to so we don't have to worry about airfare and big expenses. We may have a spa day and we may even do it at each other's house rather than going to a spa. And we just have so much fun. We make it a point to be there for one another, hmm. to encourage one another, to hold each other accountable if we see, you know, one of us slipping and not doing what we need to do. We can go to one another with uh, marital problems we may have. We'll never hear about it again outside of our little circle. And so having someone that you know has your back, that encourages you, that uh, will hold you accountable. Uh, one is uh, older than me. And, and so she encourages all of us. She's our elder. And then one, we call her the baby girl. She's, uh, she's young and kind of just starting out, but it makes a great intergenerational sisterhood. Mm. And that is just, just so much good care. If one of us is sick, the others cook dinner and take it over to the family for them so you don't have to worry about trying to cook while you're ill. Mm. There's nothing like having your sisters around when mm. your sister isn't around. <laughs> That's so true. I love that. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Any thoughts or oh, 
No, I'm just so encouraged and, and a little bit jealous of that last bit. <laughs> I know. That's so good. Karen, it took time to get there. It's only been in the last few years because when I first became a pastor's wife, I was kind of on guard to really opening up to anyone. And you really have to be careful opening up to members of the congregation. You don't want to share too much about pastor <laughs> or yourself True. for that matter. Yeah. But I, I've been able to find good friends, hmm. good, good friends. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I that is it. so good. And just honestly, what you said about doing a spa day at each other's homes, I just thought that's not hard to do. That's, that's a good, simple idea. Like, I mean, it's probably complicated with schedules, but I mean, the actual act of doing that, that's mm -hmm. not out of our range of things that we could do. Um, and it's, it's so good. inexpensive to yeah. do. It's, it's almost, yeah. we started with the idea, okay, we're going to do a foot washing. And then we said, Nah, let's do a spa day. <laughs> Foot washing, then some uh, pedicure action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At first, we wanted to be super spiritual. We were going to do a foot washing. And then we said, no, let's just step away from all things ministry and just be girls, we said. Let's just be mm -hmm. girls right quick. Yeah. Like if we were in high school and we were going over each other's house for a sleepover or something, what would we do? We'd just have fun. Let's just that. have fun. Yeah, mm. gosh, that is so great. Yeah. Well, I, Karen, I think we you should to move to fun. Karen, you should move to New Jersey. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll move to Canada. I don't know. I highly doubt that, but <laughs> I think we would have fun. Yes. You know, I feel like we're kindred spirits. And I love <laughs> yeah. that like we're in different denominations. We're not in the congregation. You know, you need that. Yeah. You need that. Those make it a road trip, ladies. Hey, road trip. We can swing by DC and pick you up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll be going to Niagara Falls uh, this summer, as a matter of fact. Okay. Oh, there well, you go. Okay, your side. Yeah. Oh, you will be on the Ontario side? Oh, yes. Oh, cool. That's neat. Well, we are a ways from there, unfortunately, but let me know when you're coming anyway, and I can at least cheer you on. All right. We'll do. So I love that this was just relationship developed from that event, from the ministers, yeah. um, from Mary to the minister. And we're going to have more information on that. It was really such a great event. So thank you so much, ladies, for coming on this episode and um, just for speaking into the lives of other women. I think it's so important. It was my pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you, mm -hmm. ladies, for having me on. Thanks. Thank George. you so thank much. You Thank you for listening today. If you want more information on Married to the Minister or when we're doing the next event, I would be happy to share that with you. You can email me, joyforministry at gmail.com. Check out our website, share it, share this podcast. And if you're listening and you haven't given us a rating or subscribed, please take a moment and do that. Share us with a friend. If you need prayer, if you need a listening ear, please reach out, go to our website, go to our social media. I'll share with you ways that we can connect, um, whether it's over Marco Polo and I say a prayer for you, whether it's through email, we would love to hear from you. Also grab a devotional, super exciting. Our video series is coming out in the next few weeks. 
So grab this devotional journal, grab a few friends. If you're looking to connect with people, to do have a small group to do this journal with, reach out to me. I would love to walk this journey with you as you're looking to do this with people. If I can help connect you with people, I would be thrilled to do that. Um, if you want to get your hands on a journal and you don't have the money for one, again, please email me. I will gladly send you one. Um, and also, if, if there's just a need that you have, we want to walk alongside you. So check out our website. Come back next week for another episode, and I'm going to share some exciting things that we have coming up for the fall. All right, I will talk to you soon.